Well, I was just looking at the stats on that Bills Chiefs game. Uh, they're talking about, I think it's on Get Up that I'm rewatching. They had zero points, 50, was it 58 yards on their last three drives combined? No one's giving them the credit they deserve, Josh. But that Chiefs defense, pretty, pretty legit. Yeah, they tightened up pretty after legit. halftime because they. Uh, Not good early. No, they were terrible. <laughs> the first half, they were atrocious. Um,. This hour, we're going to talk a lot about Oklahoma and Texas, a full preview. But but first, we kick off the 10 o'clock hour every day with our portal slash OU football update. I forgot to say one little tidbit of information that I did get from the Team 129 banquet the other day. I did talk to Justin Harrington a little bit. Looks great. Looks great. I, it was weird because I expected it to be, oh yeah, yeah, no question, absolutely. I, when I was like, hey, what's, how's it sounding? How's it looking? What, what, what have you heard? And Justin was a little bit, he's like, ah, yeah, I'm going to talk to coach here. Um, in fact, I was supposed to today. I'm like, well, man, I'm pulling for you. Cause I, I mean, I, I know he's like 46 years old now. But, Josh, I'd like to see four back out there for the Sooners. And with the kind of the most recent wave of you know, years that have been granted, I mean, they gave the, the Miami Titan a ninth year of eligibility. And knowing that Justin Harrington got hurt, was that in the first game of the season? Did he get hurt in the first game? It was the first or second, right? That sounds, yeah. uh, sounds right. It was very early in the season. Uh, and knowing that he had won that job, right, size-wise, everything we think he can do, you, you would feel like he would be that prototypical S- cheetah. Second game, SMU. Se- thank you, second game. I just – I have no doubt that he should get an extra year of eligibility, but we'll see. I know that he's – he told me he's working. He's he's trying to get back to 100%. But, you know, he, maybe he's just – as he's gotten older, he doesn't want to jinx anything and – but I just exp- – oh, yeah, man, no doubt, no doubt. But I was like, dude, how's it looking? How are we doing? Am I going to talk to you next year? He goes, we'll see. In fact, I'm, I'm getting ready to go talk to the coaches about it. So, fingers crossed on Justin Harrington because I don't know about you, Josh. I, I think it would be pretty good to get him back. I think that's another one of those key veteran guys who then – he would be in the defense for three years, right? Weird, weird story. We all know the back. Quit the team. Had a falling out, worked hard to get back in the good graces of Brent Venables, got there, was the talk of camp in 2022. He was, I mean, if you go back and you were to listen to this show from 2022, during the spring, after the spring, during fall camp, I, I guess it wouldn't have been during the spring, would it? It would more have been during fall camp, right? During fall camp, he was the talk. I mean, we were. We were saying to ourselves, it really seems that they've got themselves a dude now in Justin Harrington, and then he barely played, <laughs> right? It was always Deshaun White that was the cheetah, and I don't think he got a lot of snaps until what, like the bowl game, or maybe even the later in the season. So 2022 was kind of weird with Harrington, and then in 23, I mean, he's out there. He's the starter. He's making plays. He looks the part and then has the knee injury again. So, 
I also don't know, and this isn't an I, I don't know if it's going to end up being like the Caleb Kelly situation where, and I think Caleb would even tell you, his knees just after so long, they weren't doing what they would typically do for him, right? You're not that same athlete after a couple of surgeries. This would be, and I'm not, this would be, what, the, the third time that he's had a, a season-ending injury. So I, I wonder, I can't help but wonder if maybe he's not getting back to where he wants to get, if that makes sense. Just theorizing, by the sure. way, guys. And if he's not, then, boy, it's really tough to convince yourself to go through the grind of a season right. long of practices. And if there's not that reward at the end, which is I, I know what I'm capable of doing and I'm not reaching it, sure. But it'd be a heck of a story, man. I hope so bad for him that uh, it does work out that way because there has been, as you pointed out, a lot of promise along the way, and he did start each of the season's first two games uh, at the cheetah position before sustaining the season-ending injury. He's just been been held back by injuries and, you know, seemingly a number of unusual circumstances over the course of his career. So I, I really root for him. It would be a great story, something that I think everybody that's an Oklahoma fan could get behind to see him go out and be great. That's right. That's right. It's um, – he is a guy that I root for. I mean, I I think if you listen to this show with any regularity, you know, I, I kind of root for everybody. <laughs> There's, I mean, hell, I'm even rooting for the Chiefs right now, which pains me quite a bit because I want to see James and Creed and Blake and Wanya Morris win a ring, and I like Josh to be happy. So there's a lot of things that maybe bring me pain, but I still root for them. It's painless to root for a Justin Harrington. And – you know, the, I, I, again, depending on where he is, that's a pretty big ad because you, you feel like you have some experience there now, right? Kendall Dolby had a year, but, I mean, I, I don't know if Dolby can be that guy at Cheetah. I mean, would an SEC school just run right at him the whole time? I don't know if, if Desan McCullough is, is back at that position. I'm assuming he is, right? But Justin Harrington – frame, build, if he's back to where he is, it looks good. Now, there, there's a lot of dudes that Oklahoma has brought in over the last couple of years that if you talk to them or you listening, you listen to the recruiting guys, they tell you they're coming in as a cheetah, right? <laughs> Phil Pachati is a good one that uh, I think said that. Sammy Omasigo is another one, right? They, they feel like they were coming in to be a cheetah. So maybe as time has progressed, those dudes have shown enough to where – I mean, there there might not be a spot. I just, again, hypothetically speaking here, but it was one thing from Saturday, Josh, that I did. I did get a chance to talk very briefly, and I just, he's a kid I root for. I hope if he's healthy, he's able to get back and play. It would be a tremendous story. And sure. I think we all, as sports fans, and really in life, root for that tale of perseverance being rewarded, but uh, whatever it is for him, just wish him well. Whether or not that's, you know, playing football more, or coaching in the future, or something else, right? because it's obviously been uh, an unconventional path that he's taken here in the game of football, in, in no small part because of unfortunately injuries. Yeah, no, no kidding. So I didn't mean for that to sound the way it did. You're not kidding, is probably what I. <laughs> no kidding, Josh. Thanks. <laughs> no, hey, <it's... laughs> Um, I will say, though, it has been a a relatively quiet 
couple of days in the portal. Now, keep in mind, part of that is because, I mean, the portal is still open for Alabama, Washington, and Arizona players. But for the most part, outside of that, you know, we wait and see if uh, if another shoe drops, if Jim Harbaugh leaves to take a job. More coming on that in just a bit. Uh, or if, I don't know, Chip Kelly leaves UCLA. Have... I want to remind. I want to get to Jim Harbaugh next, okay? Because I want to get through the rest of this OU stuff. But the Jim Harbaugh buzz is fascinating. But as it stands right now, you know, outside of um, uh, what, what was it, Reedy Mustafarge, Mustafarge that went into the transfer portal, the kicker that I don't even know if he ever stepped on the field. There just there hasn't really been a ton of portal news. Now there's offers going out. We we, we saw the offer online last night that the Sooners offered five-star 2026 quarterback Jared Curtis out of Nashville Christian School for the 2026 class. And uh, OU has yet to have a quarterback in that 26 class, right? You've got Sperry in 25. Obviously, Hawkins coming in in 24. We we all know Jackson – excuse me. We know Jackson Arnold is here. But looks like Seth Luttrell has zeroed in on Curtis. 6'4", 225. Not just the top quarterback, the number one player in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, many others have already offered him. Sooners have also offered 2026 Horn, Texas quarterback, Legend Bay. He's, though, viewed as more of a wide receiver, apparently, at the next level. I want Legend Bay to commit, sign, and become a Sooner just to see what Toby Rowland can do with that name in his calls. <laughs> The man from Mesquite. And then there was one other OU football note. One other OU football note to hit here quickly. We see the staff out and about on the recruiting trail, right? And we now know that there's a new uh, defensive coordinator or co-defensive coordinator in Zach Alley. We can wait and see if he's going to call plays or what that's going to look like. But he is bringing, not a player yet, but an analyst with him from Jacksonville State. Henry Weinrich is expected to join Oklahoma staff in a very similar capacity. Now, uh, Coach Levy did this with a quarterback coach slash, you know, analyst whenever he came in. Uh, this has kind of been, been common. You have like a right-hand man that understands what you want, what you need. Uh, Weinrich joined the Gamecock staff as a GA in 2020. When Rich Rodriguez took over in 2022, he stayed on. And his responsibilities included opponent breakdown, game planning, running the scout team, identifying recruits, and managing the support staff. Now, the good news for Coach Weinrich, uh, Weinrich, Reinrich, do we know yet for sure which one it is? Because they didn't have a pronunciation guide on the Jacksonville State website. Seems like anytime it's C-H, that's pretty much a rich, right? Or a Reich, R-E-I-C-H. Have you decided which way you're going with it yet? Henry Weinrich. Uh, Weinrich? Okay. Weinrich, is I, that I, I don't know, though. Don't, oh, don't, okay. It's, it's, I said that very confidently, but I do you not did. know. The good news for him is those one, two, three, four, five things that he was involved in. I think that he'll only have to worry about maybe one or two because you'll, you'll have some help in other areas. But uh, he, he was basically the first ever senior analyst in Jacksonville State history and it was created to keep him within the program, uh, his history, a GA stint at West Georgia, 
He was a defensive line coach and strength coach at Rhodes College, which is a D3 school in Tennessee. And he started as a volunteer D-line coach at Washington University, uh, which is just outside of St. Louis. And if I'm not – hold on. If I'm not mistaken, is that where Gabe Gaines goes? Is he a Washington – no, Washburn is where he goes. That's close. Anyway, that's the newest addition to the Oklahoma coaching staff as a a support staff level. And I'm sure that that crew is going to look a lot different this year, Josh, because we've seen – Phil Lodeholt move on. Obviously, Tanner Schaefer has moved on. He's at Mississippi State with Jeff Levy. So it's going to look a little bit different on that front. Matt Wells. Matt Wells has moved on to Kansas State, where he's the the co-offensive coordinator. I think quarterback's coach there. Seth Luttrell has been elevated to the offensive coordinator. So there's about four or five support-slash-analyst spots that the Sooners are having to replace in 2024. The uh, Washburn Ichabods. Uh, yeah, obviously, to me, this is not shocking. And if the initial reports that are out there are true, mm-hmm. that this is basically Brent Venables saying, okay, Zach Alley, I trust you. Uh, you're the guy to come in and run my offense, but make uh, run my defense and make it your defense. And you've got all the, the keys to the car at your disposal then I've got to, I've got to staff you right. with the right folks around you that that make you comfortable to go do your job the way that you want to do it. And obviously, Henry Weinrich, uh, defensive analyst, that that's part of that puzzle. It yeah. would appear. And as you pointed out, you, you lost some analysts, so there's natural uh, roles there that are available that need to be filled. I was trying to, I was trying to go over the list of, and, and, and I go, this is really, this is really in the weeds, guys. So I. I just I was trying to go over the list of whom all had gone with Coach Levy from uh, Oklahoma, and let me see here. I, I pulled it up. Um, well, maybe there's not as many as I'd actually thought. It was like maybe Tanner Schaefer. Uh, so it looks like two or three guys had gone with him. So not nearly as as in depth. But you do have the other two that I mentioned as well, too. Uh, Matt Holacek had gone with uh, – mm-hmm. was Coop at Tulsa last year or at OU last year? I think he might have been either last year or the year before. Anyway, there's a few spots that they need to fill regardless and there. Seth Luttrell's an offensive coordinator now. Yeah. Obviously, we touched on – He Matt, might have a guy. Matt Wells. Has, so, yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of analyst positions that have opened up. Okay, so one other quick note on football before we grab a break. I'm glad you sent this to me. I, I I guess I've pushed back on this, but if Parker tells me it matters and it's a big deal, I'm going to listen to him. I don't understand whenever guys are already in college and signing classes have been announced, why we're constantly moving around if a guy's a four-star or a five-star. But then I'm also reminded that we still have one more signing day. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't had the Wednesday, the first Wednesday in February signing day. So technically, technically – The 2024 recruiting cycle is still ongoing. So as services have finalized their rankings, Oklahoma five-star defensive tackle David Stone ascended to earn the top spot amongst defensive linemen, according to rivals. In uh, In the process, he also rose to the number five overall player in the class, 
overtaking Missouri signee Williams Winery. Congratulations. It's it's a big deal to the players, I think, right, Josh? David Stone was celebrating it on Twitter. I don't really know what it means for the fans. I don't even really know what it does outside of maybe a few more clicks for the services, but there you go. David, I guess also it means that what? They were impressed with what he did at Under Armour camps? <laughs> yeah, it, indeed. Okay. With uh, David Stone, I don't know that it means that much, right? I mean, we pretty we well knew. know he's a, he's a five-star. He's supposed to come in and be a legitimate program difference maker, uh, you know, possibly for the next quarter century if everything goes according to plan, right, yeah. for Oklahoma. I mean, he can turn the tide of what for OU – it got a negative stigma throughout the 2010s that this is a place you don't come play defense, you don't get to the NFL at defensive tackle or defensive end at Oklahoma. He's the kind of guy that can radically shift that narrative, whether or not he's rated ahead of williams area or not. I mean, it's kind of those two guys toward the top, right? Mm-hmm. I look more toward the the, the final rankings for a Jaden Jackson. Saw a nice little jump according to the 24-7 sports player rankings. And then Eugene Brooks – in offensive lineman, this is this is the most important one to me. Mm-hmm. If you're getting caught up in the oh look right. at the the final recruiting rankings, Eugene Brooks saw like a 75 spot jump uh, in the final 24/7 sports rankings. Which you know, look, this is an offensive line group of signees for Oklahoma that for a good portion of it, people were sort of freaked out about why right. have they not went and got a blue chip guy or why yep. is there not more of those? So that was, I think substantial if we're projecting forward not necessarily in the immediate for 2024 because I don't generally speaking expect any freshman offensive lineman to step in and uh and start day one but if you're telling me 25 26 27 and beyond okay that's nice that at least now they're looking at Eugene Brooks and saying this is a bona fide blue chipper yeah all right 405 if you want to jump in on any of that when we come back Could that spring portal period actually have some juice? What's the latest with Jim Harbaugh? And we have some pretty good submissions on our Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text question of the day. It's all coming up next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. On cue, as I'm sitting here watching ESPN, is Brock Purdy the weak link for the 49ers? Why? Because Ryan, Ryan Clark feels that way? Dude, he had a bad first half. He, uh, you know what? I have to agree with Arnie Spanier on this one. That's a hard thing for me to say, people. I think being Mr. Irrelevant is something that skews people's opinion on him. I do, Josh. I think they're like, well, he was the last pick in the draft, so he obviously sucks. Now, don't get me wrong. Brock Purdy, when he had his best team ever at Iowa State, kind of um, wet the bed, right? That 20, was that 2020, 2021 team? Weren't very good. But still, I mean, it's almost like people are finding things to complain about with him when it's like, for what San Francisco's doing? Pretty good. Is he better or worse than Jimmy Garoppolo? Full, whatever you think the height of Jimmy G's powers were, better or worse? I was going to say, the Jimmy G I saw this year was absolutely terrible. Throw throw that out. (laughs) I'm talking Jimmy G that led him to a Super Bowl against Kansas City. I don't know. I I don't think so. But then again, you know, Jimmy G was top 100 pick, was a guy that was thought of quite highly, and 
really seemed to excel, but Jimmy G couldn't stay on the field, and Brock Purdy can. Well, and I think in some ways, one deep ball incompletion from Jimmy Garoppolo has sort of skewed some people's no, opinions right. on yep. what what is required. You can go win the Super Bowl without being the best quarterback, and with what's around I him, agree. absolutely he can he can. Hold serve at home versus Detroit and beat either Baltimore or Kansas City. Back-to-back nights of OU Texas coming up. We've got OU men's hoops against Texas tonight at 6 o'clock. It's wide out. Get crazy. Go nuts. Tomorrow night, the OU women's team travels to Austin to take on the 10th-ranked Texas Longhorns. So, Josh, as you might imagine, before we get into a little Jim Harbaugh here, there was the question asked of one Porter Moser about Horns down this to me again was an awesome answer yeah gracie i i knew i was going to get asked this sometime today it's my last question through four interviews so (laughs) it is i was surprised it didn't happen earlier so um you know i I really gonna kind of stay out of it i heard some comments i heard coach sampson talk about it's in the the texas fight song that oh you sucks i heard that in the in the um in coach sampson's comments so i it's definitely a part of it we felt it there last year when we played, holy cow, did we ever feel it um, there? Uh, I know that lyric is only in, I did a little research, it's only in when we play Texas, they alter the, 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 that lyric um, when you play te- the OU uh, Texas game. So, um, you know, I, I don't really want to get dragged into it. I know for us, um, we're excited about this game tomorrow, but uh, I know it's a part of it on both fan bases. So let's just, let's just not let's just say what it is. I mean, they get it here, we get it there. I've been at the Red River rivalry where it's half and half and walking around the fairgrounds. I mean, it's both sides are giving it to each other. So you just hopefully what you just hope for is it stays safe, that it stays, you know, that uh, a, a great rivalry, you know, and no one crosses the line in that great rivalry. That's what you hope for. You know, you don't want to put, you know, everybody sit there and like this in the rivalry. It's, it's awesome. I've been at Red River the last couple of years, man. It's awesome. I've been there in their, their new arena last year. Awesome. All right. So both fan bases, passionate. We're going to give it to each other. Just not crossing each other's lines. What do you think? I'd, now, I know most people wanted him to take maybe a little bit more of a of a Kelvin approach. Where it's like, yeah, you can throw the horns down. They tell us we suck. I, by the way, I do like that there is a, a sense of ready, aim, shoot from Porter Moser. In other words, he's like, Kind of dug into it a little bit. Let's remember they only did it when they play us, so it's. Well, I'll tell you what I didn't hear. <laughs> Don't I do it. Yeah, I, I didn't hear him say I've instructed our guys not to throw the horns down. So, uh, I, I think basically what we got right there was, look, it's a rivalry. We're gonna jaw a little bit, and let's hope nobody crosses the line. But this is OU Texas. They're gonna tell us we stink. They're gonna tell us we suck, and we're gonna throw the horns down, and that's that. Right. No, absolutely. So, Porter's like, I'm going to stay out of it. But also, I did not hear in there, don't do it. <laughs> right. But, you know, probably he, uh, you know, look, we've, we've gotten into the situation where at times it's uh, on the football field been uh, instructed sure. do not throw the horns down in a number of situations because we don't want the penalty, right? We don't want the after post-touchdown uh, 15 yards. In basketball, we're not trying to get a technical foul and give two key free throws away. So I'm sure that, you know, as much as 
I could sit here and say he's he's not saying don't do that. There probably still has been some coaching in regards to, hey, be mindful about the way you go about throwing the horns down if you're going to throw the horns down. That's right. You don't want it to end up be um, – you don't want it to end up being something that costs you. Now, uh, at KRF Sports, does lay out several different things that you'll be expected to do tonight, horns down wise. But what does Oklahoma need to do tonight to come away with the all-important W and continue what's been a rapid, rapid upward ascent this year under Coach Moser, a team that's really responded to the game plans? Thought they really responded. I mean, we came back from a week where we lost two tough ones on the road, TCU, Kansas, got punched in the mouth, and then we knew we had to get a very physical West Virginia team and out-rebound them, and then we had to go on the road to Cincinnati. So rebounding from those two games, we lost two, we've come back. So I love how our guys have fought back and not get too down off two lost, tough losses because you're going to have them in this league. I mean, you're going to have them. And uh, so, you know, how that relates to this game, we've got to, you know, I wanted them, I, t- I said this on the radio this morning, you know, it's a fine line. You know, we're playing Saturday. We got to come back from Cincinnati, turn around and game plan Sunday, Monday to play tomorrow. So but what I don't want to happen is sometimes it happens with adults coaching. And sometimes it happens with kids with the pressure with social media. Because don't think they don't know how many people are hitting them on social media, positive or negative. And what I don't want to happen is, is it to become relief rather than joy for them. Because that happens with coaches. Any coach will tell you, sometimes it's just relief rather than joy. And I, I love the guys who were excited in the locker room after the game. I wanted them to feel that joy. I told them after the game, the grind, the prep, all that, that's the fun is right here, investing in that. And I want them to have that joy. And we had to turn right around and not get too high. Yesterday had, had to be all about Texas. We got a tremendous respect. They got unbelievable backcourt in Max and Tyrese. You know, Tyrese, I mean, what a game he had against Baylor. Um, and then I, I think they got one of the more difficult centers in the country to guard. Um, he's the three-level scorer. He can score on the block. He can score from three. And then he's got a nice shot fake, and he can put it on the deck and get to the rim. I think they got a phenomenal first-round draft pick type athlete in Dylan Mitchell who can, who's finding a way to get double figures through cutting, rebounding, transition. Um, Brock Cuttingham's one of the best glue guys. So, you've, you know, you've got to be on top of – Put that in the bank and be on top of your next prep because every game you better be ready. So you heard him mention in there Tyrese Hunter, who finished with 21 points against Baylor, 8 of 13 shooting from the field. Dude was 4 of 7 from behind the three-point arc. And that's fairly significant because – he had struggled their previous two games. 11 combined points, just wasn't real active. One of six from beyond the three-point line. And he is, you know, there was a stretch there where he had been in double figures in six straight games, and two of those six he scored 20 or more. So you look at the losses at West Virginia and UCF, kind of kind of makes sense whenever, you know, Tyrese Hunter isn't playing as well as he did against Baylor. So it It'll be interesting to see how they defend Hunter here tonight. But if there is one thing we do know, Josh, final cut here from Porter Moser, he does expect that crowd to have some juice tonight. You know what? Uh, the students have been great. We've, you know, they, they, man, did they come out against West Virginia their first time back? Uh, we keep setting student crowds. They told me that the top 10, student, top 10 student crowds of all time here, eight of them are in the last two years. 
So want to hopefully I think the students are going to come out and uh, just hope that more people, you know, we know we got to face every night out in this league on the road. Um, the people that come in this building have been great. And I just more the better, man. Strength in numbers. So uh, I hope this thing is, is packed to the to the roof. I do, too. I do, too. All right, Josh, before we break, anything to add on OU Texas tonight inside the Louis Noble Center? Uh, it's just a huge game. Massive to try and keep things rolling. Last week wound up being such a good week. But if you're talking about the Big 12 regular season race, we know you have to go win on the road and you have to steal games there. But you got to defend home court. And Oklahoma gets not just Texas this week, but Texas Tech, two really good teams inside the LNC this week. So this, I think, is one of those weeks where you try and stretch wins together and you can get on a legitimate roll here if you take care of home court both times this week. And if they win tonight and then follow it up and beat Texas Tech, I think that they're firmly in the Big 12 race. Quick break. When we come back, let's dive into the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. This is The Ref. Hour number two, proudly brought to us by Allison Insurance right here on The Plank Show. Josh Elmer alongside Chris Plank. This is the ref. It's the home of Sooner fans. And again, Allison Insurance brings us hour number two. That's AllisonInsurance.com. Health insurance, life insurance, Medicare supplements, and so much more. Bob and Robert Allison, they can find the needs to best fit you and your office. For insurance, 405-745-2968. To the text line, we go. That is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. A couple on the Brock Purdy slander, Mm. the Brock Purdy conversation. Go ahead. Mark from Enid. All I can say is the proof is in the pudding because with Brock, they're winning to the point where they weren't before. So. I think people that. Like, I don't want a Super Bowl to win uh, more than they were before. Right, that's true. Did you hear that stat that the San Francisco 49ers have played in 35% of all the NFC championship games? That's a stat. That's unbelievable, right? Yeah, that's you, uh, franchise greatness. Uh, how many? Do you want another stat? Uh, since Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback for the Chiefs, Kansas City has played in 100% of the AFC Championship I, games. I, I did know that one. That's my stat. I, I think people feel like saying that he's not Jimmy Garoppolo is some kind of knock, where if Jimmy stayed healthy, Jimmy G probably would have been the quarterback for San Francisco for a long time. He just couldn't stay healthy, man. He couldn't stay on the field. So they went up and tried to get Trey Lance. A move, Josh, that if any, if the Raiders did something like that and it failed, it would hamstring the franchise for years. Years, I tell you. Because you gave, we're like, no, no, you would just pick another quarterback the next year. No. No, because you gave up your first-round pick. You went Carolina Panthers on this. The Niners got lucky with Brock Purdy. They got lucky, and he's good. But, I don't. I mean, I don't understand this, is he the weak link? No, no, it's obvious this offense is very much predicated on Debo Samuel. Trust me. And McCaffrey. Debo, yeah, I had Debo Samuel on my fantasy team. Well, don't, don't, don't ruin my argument here, Josh, for just a second. But because when Debo goes out, teams can focus on McCaffrey. When Debo's in there, you never know. And... Trust me, when Debo went out, things dipped. And now he goes out on Saturday night, things dipped a bit. 
I'm not here to hate on Brock Purdy. I think it's a great story. I don't understand. Ryan Clark, man. I don't know Ryan Clark. He's entertaining. I guess he's doing his job. But when he's like, I'm tired of having to pretend that I'm like, who's telling you to pretend that you think he's a quarterback? If anything, ESPN, they want you to say stupid stuff like that all the time. I don't get it. Well, <laughs> Brock Purdy is the regular recipient of, hey, he's not very good. So That's right. He's it, used to it. You're not pretending anything. It uh, Nobody, yeah. for the most part, is defending Brock Purdy. The guy's getting uh, slammed by analysts left and right. Everyone. And, and you know what? Hey, he's got his chance with a great group of skill position guys around him, great offensive line, very, very good defense to go win the NFC Championship versus Detroit. And then after that, he'd have a chance in a Super Bowl. So if he wins two games, then a lot Mm. of this will quiet around Brock Purdy. And unfortunately, though, if he loses one of the next two games – then he's going to hear it, and that's the nature of it. Same for Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and just about anybody that gets to this stage. That's and right. Mahomes. That's right. All right, where do you want to go next on there? Uh, let's see. Uh, Tom Brady was a late draft pick. Uh, that's from LaDonna Fair from point. Lubbock. Fair point. But he wasn't Mr. Irrelevant. He wasn't DFL, as the kids would say. From the 405, if they don't like the horns down, how about the double number one hand gesture? Now, wait a minute. Isn't that what – I almost said Parker Thune. Isn't what Parker Thune told you not to do? Isn't that what Porter Moser said we're not going to do? Doesn't need to get disrespectful or get out of hand or anyone getting too crazy. Mm. Yeah, dude. don't be flipping people off. And plus, you don't want to get kicked out of the, the game. I mean, come on. I – you know what's funny is I uh, I talked to Chris Budden this morning. I was going to play it for you. Chris has done a couple sideline games for OU basketball this year. And I asked her, I'm like, what do you think of the matchup? How do you think it's going to play out? She gave me one sentence on the game and then went off on horns down. And people compl- – not, not doing it, but people complaining about it. I had the same conversation with someone yesterday. It's like, hey, man, how are you feeling about this game today? Do you know what the response was? Can you believe Rodney Terry? I was like, I want to – what do you think about the game? What, what's going to happen tonight? Yeah, it's <laughs> – I understand it, though. Rodney Terry, man, I just he's just such a bad PR thing. Bad and then for him to be jumping around oh, the gosh. next game just looks so bad. I know. And, and, you know, it's disappointing because he paints himself, puts himself into this corner. He should be able to jump around and celebrate the end of the Baylor win, right? But you just said, hey, we don't jump around and celebrate non-national right. championships around here. The next game, you're jumping around celebrating. It's like it's unbelievable. Uh, so we had the conversation earlier. The The Detroit Lions, if you're not the, I don't know, Packers or Vikings or Bears, right, probably they've captured your heart a little bit mm-hmm. with this run, right? Who in college football – could do that. Is there a program that could do that in college football to where America gets behind you because of long suffering, whatever the reasons may be, right? Well, we got a number of submissions on that front. Frozen Sooner says University of Minnesota. What do you think? Okay. Um, Now, here's the problem with Minnesota is P.J. Flick is incredibly annoying. Incredibly, I don't know if I would be able to get behind that. Row the boat soured f- swiftly, did it not? Dude, he was he was the talk of the town. P. 
PJ Fleck. I mean, Mike. By the way, I said PJ Flick, which reminded me. Shout out Gina Flick. Shout out Emma Flick. Love you guys. Thanks for feeding our pig. Anyway, back to the point. Um, whenever he was coming out of Western Michigan, remember that 2016 season that Western Michigan had, and everyone was kind of high. He's like, dude, the row the boat thing. This is great. Look, Western Western Michigan's undefeated. They're going to the Cotton Bowl, and then he goes to Minnesota, and quickly you're like, I can't stand this guy. <laughs> All right, how about this? Minnesota with any coach other than P.J. Fleck. I'll be down with that. Even, right. though, even though, do you realize P.J. Fleck has not lost a bowl game at Minnesota? Well, I mean, he plays the <laughs> Mac in every bowl game. Yeah, that is fair. That is fair. All right. Uh, we had a couple of other submissions on there that were pretty good, right? Chapstick. Stanford would be interesting. The Kansas Jayhawks would probably be one everyone could get behind. Virginia Tech has been down for a while, would get some votes. I think Iowa would be mm. a good uh, feel-good story everyone would enjoy. And, well, and I disagree with you here. Maybe even Iowa State. Uh, well, oh, oh, you're saying, yeah, the people will root for Iowa State, right. too. Non-traditional powers, right? I mean, that that's who people would root for. From the 405, the Arkansas Razorbacks. I think Arkansas would be fascinating because – my my mentor, one of my best friends, is an Arkansas Razorback fan, but I also know how freaking obnoxious it would get to hear Woo Pig Suey all the time, right? You'd reach a point where you're like, ah, we get it. We get it. Just like people probably say about Boomer sooner, right? But Arkansas would be good. And then, you know what you would have with the Arkansas tie that might turn people a little bit? Is you would get a whole lot of Jerry Jones if Arkansas made a run. Or a whole lot of Bill Clinton if Arkansas made a run. Because remember when Clinton was president, was it president or running for it? That's when the Razorbacks were really, really good in basketball. So we kind of had him crammed down our throat a little bit. But in football, yeah, it'd be pretty good. What do you think of Cruton Therapist suggesting Tennessee? They have uh, not one big since, uh, you know, the late 90s. So it's been a while, right? I mean, it's basically mm-hmm. been three decades for Tennessee uh, since they've won a national championship. So from that standpoint, it checks out. I think I, I think it's too close to the Hypel situation for me, maybe. Okay. But uh, – and also, Tennessee is – they consider themselves a national power, right? Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not they actually are, I think that works against them a little bit to where th- there's – Similar to Notre Dame, and, and not to the same degree, obviously, right? Right. But there's an air of, if you want to call it arrogance, or Tennessee expects to do these types of things, and they, they haven't done it in so long. I, I don't know. They're, they're, and it's an SEC program, right? SEC programs, even though it's SEC, SEC, there's a lot of infighting. I don't think Florida fans and Georgia fans are getting on board to root for Tennessee anytime soon. Right. And, and then here's the reality of it. Guys, keep them coming. Keep them coming. Sorry. I don't know. I can't speak today. But I would also add, we understand college football is a much different world. So there's going to be hate, 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 hate regardless. And I think we brought this up a little bit about this same time period yesterday. And I brought up, man, their feel-good story and immediately got the, they booed Matt Stafford's kids. They're not a good story. But I think universally, the Detroit Lions, it's kind of embraced. And as um, as the 405 said, remember the Lions are one of only four teams that have never won or even played in a Super Bowl. So that kind of, 
you know, that really narrows the field <laughs> as far as trying to talk about college football teams that might fit that resume. But we'll, we'll talk more about it. We got more submissions rolling in and then more hate, too, because as soon as you bring up one team, we're like, I think everyone would be behind. Them. Oh, they stink. They're I hate terrible. them. There is an update, Josh Helmer, to the Iowa, Iowa State gambling story. <laughs> it's an interesting one. It is an interesting one. We'll get to it next right here on The Ref. I have a hot take for you, Josh, on Dot's pretzels during the break, okay? Can't wait for that. There is an update to the Iowa-Iowa State gambling situation. Let's hit it quick here. Top five stories of the day coming up. We'll continue to count down to Oklahoma and Texas tonight, 6 o'clock. Be inside the LNC. Weather is cleared. I mean, listen, it's still nasty out. But good news. The game is played indoors. Should be a fun one. The Sooners and the Longhorns. We uh, Congratulations to Brad in Midwest City. He won a pair of tickets to the OU Women's Gymnastics Meet on Friday. Got another pair to give away. Today we're giving away two pairs of tickets every show this week. So be listening for your chance. But does did I read this right on the Iowa Iowa State story, Josh? It looks as if we had a rogue agent where Special Agent Brian Singer conducted warrantless searches on Iowa and Iowa State's campus, and now it's looking more and more like this case could be what completely thrown out on all instances. Yeah, it sounds like it. And- wow. If that's the case, what does that mean? I mean, are these guys going to get their eligibility back or no? I guess you're kind of torn in that, yes, it was an illegal search. They did find out that they were doing something wrong. Right. (laughs) So I I don't know how the NCAA balances that. Probably not from the NCAA side, I guess, right? Right. But in terms of anything criminal, obviously that would be thrown out. Right. I don't – It is pretty wild, though, just I guess in a quick summation – as you said, I mean, basically this this gentleman was told, no, don't proceed to <laughs> conduct a warrantless search, proceeded to conduct the warrantless search, and then uh, that's kind of how everything ultimately was found out at Iowa and Iowa State. I mean, it literally – not literally. I mean, it is – it's a guy that basically ignored orders. It's like, no, nah, we're not going to focus on that. And he's like, okay, see you later. I loved uh, <laughs> I loved somebody's comment yesterday. It was like it's like the plot of every cop movie. It's like he's told <laughs> don't do this, but he does it, and we're gonna get the bad guy. And then in the end, they get the bad guy, but you never get to see the court proceedings, right? No, yeah, they don't show you where it uh, <laughs> really was against the law. Uh, so, hey, Josh asks a great question. What does it mean going forward for those players? Will they get their eligibility back? I don't know, but it is a fascinating angle that's developing. And we're keeping tabs on it right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Top five stories next.